Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together today. And love, true love, I don't know the rest actually, I don't know the rest from there. But if you've watched Princess Bride, then you know where I was going. And if you haven't, you're just thinking I'm a weirdo right now, and that's fine. Hey, good morning, Northern Hills. Good to be with you here this morning. We are stoked. We're excited to kick off a new series called Road Trip. And so I want to welcome all of you that are in person here today. I want to uh, welcome all of you that are joining us online. Hopefully you're still online. Uh, and uh, we are thrilled again about where we're going to go with this series. Ultimately, here's where uh, this series has taken us. I know many of us are going to be heading out this summer. We're going to be going on trips. We're going to be heading to the mountains, maybe head to the lake. Uh, many of us will be going to a wedding this summer if we haven't already been at a wedding. And this is a unique summer for us in a lot of going out because our road trips last year uh, around summertime were to the gas station. Our road trips uh, involved maybe going to Arvada, right? <laughs> That's the best place we could get to. And so COVID kept us uh, locked in a little bit. And I think this summer, I'm already starting to notice, I'm already starting to hear the stories of people that have been out that are looking to get out. And so our heart was to say, hey, let's go on a road trip as well. Because when we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is a man through the last three years of his life, this God man went on many a journey. He went to many a different place in a different town, and there was something to be learned there. There was a nugget, and, and, and the big thing that you're going to see throughout this series is there was the miraculous. The miraculous happened as Jesus traveled along. So in the midst of that, this series, we're going to ride shotgun with him, and we're going to take advantage on uh, this road trip to maybe have some learnings for us as we head into our summer as well. And so based on the backdrop, based on the nice tux that I donned for you today and uh, put on, we're gonna go to a wedding. And uh, this was one of Jesus' earliest road trips, uh, if you're not familiar. Uh, just for some context this morning, well, first of all, let me ask in the room, how many of us are planning on going to a wedding or have already been one this summer? All right, so there's some hands in here. Yeah, uh, this, I think weddings are a unique thing as well this uh, summer because, right, COVID also postponed a lot of those ceremonies. And so we've already seen in the spring, summer, and I think even in the fall, winter months coming up ahead, uh, that these ceremonies that are, are all getting crammed in into 2021 because 2020 we missed out on. Well, this wedding, Jesus seems to be handling some of the responsibilities at the wedding or, or, or considering some of the things that he's doing, it just seems out of his job description in a lot of ways. We're going to get to that. And then Jesus, like only Jesus can do, shows that, no, this is only part of his job description that none of us could ever accomplish. So I want to set the stage here a bit. Now, here we are, uh, uh, Jesus and his life specifically. What we know about Jesus is Christmas happens. And what's, what's fascinating about Christmas, right? It has all of the appropriate hype surrounded around it because it's the birth of God in the flesh. And because that happens, we have the incarnate God. We have Jesus Christ present amongst us. But then things go dark. They go dark for about 30 years. What do you think of when you think of Mary? Jesus' mother, what do you think of? Because every time I tend to think of Mary, I always picture her pregnant. But we sort of forget that in those 30 years, she would have been present 
She would have been helping to raise Jesus. And now here he is, a grown man. Jesus runs into his cousin, John the Baptist, who calls him out and then baptizes him. And God speaks and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And up to this moment, no one knows. No one knows outside of Mary. Some others that would have been surrounding Jesus through those 30 years of life, who Jesus is. Now he's collected a handful of followers. He calls them disciples. But here we come up to the wedding. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now this appears to be a family wedding. That's what we can tell best as uh, scholars have looked at it. Everyone's really invited to this wedding. And we suspect that it's one of Jesus' family members because we soon learn that Mary has some responsibilities at this wedding. Those would have generally been attributed to somebody that was tied in with the mother of the bride or groom. And so this is a super-sized wedding because weddings back in the day, right, a traditional wedding, a lot of times would last seven days long. These were huge celebration, lots of food, lots of wine. For Jesus, I could sort of get this parental pressure of being at this specific wedding. Mom's at the wedding. I need to be at the wedding. It's sort of people that are involved or that we know I better be there. But beyond that parental pressure... I tend to wonder why, why was Jesus at this wedding? Because Cana of Galilee, just as a town, it's pretty insignificant. If you were actually to go overseas now and visit the sites where Jesus performed his miracles, Cana, it tends to be a place where they can't fully describe, they can't fully describe where that is. There's no definitive information on that town. The Bible also doesn't say who the couple was getting married at this wedding. So there isn't necessarily anything significant about the couple. And I'm wondering, what is the king of kings doing at this specific wedding then? Because if you were to head to a post office and you'd run into the president of the United States at the post office, that'd be a little weird. You know that it's a government-run agency, but you're sort of like, well, the president of the United States should be doing something a little bit more worth his or her while, right? If you called Microsoft because you were having problems updating your computer, you got Bill Gates on the phone, that would just be a surprise that you got a live person on the phone calling Microsoft, okay? But if you got Bill Gates on the phone, you're sort of wondering to yourself, like, what in the world is Bill Gates handling that he's got bigger fish to fry instead of the CEO helping? What is the king of kings doing here? What's he doing at this insignificant wedding in an insignificant town with an insignificant couple? See, the Jews, they had been waiting on the Messiah for 4,000 years since a promise was given to them in the Garden of Eden. And finally, he's here. And there's really no time to lose. There's no time to lose because there's three and a half years until Jesus is going to be crucified. In my mind, Jesus would be getting ready to do something epic Not spend time at a party. He'd be getting ready to battle Satan in some fierce battle or overthrowing the entire Roman Empire. Yet we find him here at this poorly planned, what we're going to find out, party. He's on mission to save mankind, but he's in this insignificant place. But look at verse 2 for a minute again. Look at verse 2. Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. First thought... You'd be surprised where Jesus will show up when he is invited. 
You'd be surprised where Jesus will show up when he's invited. See, it's not just in church. It's not just when we gather here. This is part of where he's invited and where we experience him. I was talking with Jackie this last week, and it's been a rough week. I think individuals, I've talked with a few people this morning, I think individuals are really starting to have a little bit of that light bulb go on of the loss they've experienced in the COVID season. And it, it's, it's coming now for many because they weren't really impacted greatly. Their jobs weren't impacted greatly. Maybe they didn't have any loss or at least a, a family member of lost fr- a friend that lost their life during COVID. And so they weren't as impacted as maybe some others experienced it right on. But we were all impacted, right? We all know that there's even some lasting impacts that we're not even going to realize until maybe months, years down the line. And it was interesting to me how some of the weight of those conversations, some of the weight of what I've personally been experiencing as I've navigated this journey with my mother, I've shared here on Sunday mornings. I think part of it was just this weight of just in of my own power, still being in survival mode. Are you there too? Just the survival mode where we all had to buck up. I mean, it's one thing to empathize with somebody else's problems that are not your problems, but this is something we've all experienced. COVID and isolation and not even being back at church. And so there's this thing that we've all experienced that we can empathize with one another, but it's also something we're all going through. And so the light bulb's been going on. And I told Jackie, you know what? I haven't invited Jesus to any of this, of course, That's why I'd be teaching on it, right? I haven't invited Jesus to help me with some pain I've been, some lingering pain in my foot. I've been counting on Advil to fix my foot. I've been counting on me to push through and keep going through and and just fighting through to make things work in of my own power. I haven't invited Jesus once. I think we'd all be really surprised if we invited him because he's, he's God everywhere. He's got in the joyful and the, and the difficult. He's the shepherd in the valley, right? If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll show up and walk with me if I invite him. And what's so interesting about this miracle that's about to take place at this wedding, spoiler alert, but another spoiler alert, in a few chapters down the line in the book of John, we're going to see Jesus at a funeral. Wedding and a funeral. The start of something, the end of something. Can you see where Jesus wants to be part of everything, our entire lives. He he craves and and cares to be part of the little things and the big things in our lives. He wants to be part of it all. He wants to be invited into every moment. Now, in Jesus' day, wine was a staple. It was a staple at most meals and a must at every celebration. And all of God's people said amen, right? That's a beautiful thing. But here's what happens. The wines run out. And this would have been epic humiliation, uh, uh, epic proportions for the groom's family who was hosting. And so Jesus' mother took it upon herself to bring her son up to speed. Verse 3, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now we assume by this time that Jesus, as the eldest son, was really the go-to guy. Any oldest children here in the room this morning, uh, online you know, go ahead and, and post if you're the oldest child, right? You get this. You understand what it's like to have a little bit of that weight that you shoulder that maybe some of your siblings don't. And a family's honor is at stake here. And for 30 years now, Mary's been sitting on this knowledge that Jesus is special. Jesus is the son 
of God. And so she had to have believed that he's fully capable of solving this reputation-threatening circumstance that's come up. Would today be the day? Would today be the day that Jesus was going to reveal himself, reveal himself in all of his glory amongst many? And here's what I love about Mary. She just goes up to Jesus. And, and this is why this is powerful to us, because it's about expectations. People were expecting the wine to continue to flow. People were expecting that the party was going to continue. And Mary expected her son to show up in the moment. She asks him to do something in the form of a statement. She has that mother's intuition, right? And only you moms get that. That just mom, the, the knowing kind of thing. And, she, and here's the situation. She says, hey, Jesus, they have no more wine. And Jesus responds, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Now, first thought, <laughs> you know where I'm going. Don't call your mom woman. Right? I, I've always wondered, how did Jesus get away with that one, right? Like, how did we not see a little altercation go? It, okay, you might say, well, Jesus did it. Well, it's a good idea for Jesus to do it, not for you to do it, right? But, but, but Jesus was invited, and now Mary wants to get him involved. He's there saying, it's not my problem. Not today. Why do you involve me? And even though I've taught from this passage numerous times, there's something that I caught this time around that I had in the past. She's stating the problem. And on the surface, it might seem that Jesus is really resistant or rebelling against that. She says they're out of wine. Jesus responds, who cares? Why do you involve me? And then Mary turns immediately to the servants. She doesn't turn to Jesus. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, she could have begged Jesus. She could have cried. She could have used that maternal guilt trip that if I was a mom, I know I would want to use with my kids a lot. Like, hey, I brought you into this world. I'm also the one that will take you out of this world. <laughs> she could have done any of those things. But Mary, again, that mother's intuition creeping up. She has this crazy mom sense, and she knows that Jesus will not get involved. He's not going to get involved unless they do. Unless the others do. And some of us are standing at a distance. We're waiting for God to do something in our lives or something to change in our lives. But invitation and involvement, they're interdependent. They're interdependent. Jesus invites us, yes, into relationship freely with him. And then he becomes deeply involved in our lives. But you know what Jesus wants? is to be invited into our lives as well. That takes our involvement to include him into our lives and to our everyday, to invite him into the highs and lows and everything in between. Invitation requires involvement because you don't invite somebody over for dinner to your house and then expect them to prepare the meal they're about to eat. You invite them and then you get involved in the preparation of that meal. You don't invite somebody to the meeting that you're not going to show up and they're just going to sit there staring at the wall for the next hour. You've prepared that meeting. You're involved in that meeting. And you're going to be present in that meeting. It takes two to make a relationship work. Invitation requires involvement. And your involvement, my involvement, it matters. I was, um, I was reading some 
Dr. Henry Cloud the other day. And this just, this spoke to me. He says, the best way to think about the Holy Spirit and growth is to think about a moment-by-moment relationship of dependency on him. We depend on him to guide us, to lead us, to talk to us, to reveal truth to us, to empower us to do what we can't do, to give us gifts to be able to give to others what they need and many other things. But all this happens in an abiding sort of way. We yield to him and we follow. We open up our hearts and begin to be filled with him. We ask him to invade all that we are and to work in us. In a sense, we give ourselves to him as we live out the life of growth. Therefore, in light of the growth process, we encounter life in the spirit means that we do not do growth without him. It also means that he does not do growth without us. The miracle of the Holy Spirit's invasion of our lives is that he is at work within us to change us and to lead us and guide us. But there is still an us. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The old way of trying to do it right by ourselves is over. Now we have lived a life full of faith with him inside of us, but we are still the ones who have to live this life and be accountable for it. As Paul said, the life that I live in the body, I live by faith. So as I go through the process of growth, each step I take is a a faith step, depending on the spirit, to live it out with me. I live this life as he lives in me. It's a mystery. I live this life with him living in me. See how those, that involvement, it's interdependent. And some of us, I, I know some of us, we're here and we're standing at this distance. And you were asking God just to give us joy maybe in the moment. I wonder if God's just saying, are you rejoicing? Because if you rejoice, even in the difficult, if you rejoice, you're going to gain joy. So we're longing and we're thriving and we're asking for joy, but we've invited a lot of other things into our lives beyond the spirit of God. We've invited things like fear and stress. We've invited offense or, or self-righteousness. Maybe some of us have invited apathy, but we haven't invited the sun. Ah, this last week, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to push through. And I know the Bible says Jesus was invited, but it's interesting because sometimes we'll invite everything else into our lives beyond him. I think one of the greatest barriers is because we've turned relationship into religion. And just like the people of Jesus' day, we've made an entire religion out of laws and and rule following. So guess what? That's heavy. And that sucks out joy of life. Why would you wouldn't want to invite Jesus into your every day with that? You wouldn't. And neither would I. Life that sucks the joy out, that burdens us. And so we don't do it. Here's the good news. When we acknowledge that we can't keep rules, when we acknowledge that we'll never be good enough, when we acknowledge that all it takes is an invitation, and that invitation is synonymous with our involvement, when that bulb goes on, 
I think God's going to do some transforming in each of our lives. I think we're going to be able to see a miracle. See, Mary gives the servants this opportunity to get involved, and she doesn't even make it complicated. She's like, do what he tells you to do. Verse 6, 7, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now, if you mark your Bibles, I want you to mark the word nearby. Because I love that. It ties into everything we're talking about with the invitation. Sometimes the opportunity that that presents itself to invite Jesus is right in front of our face. It's right next to us. It's nearby. It's not some spectacular thing. And that's our problem. We're looking for the spectacular sometime. But the Bible says that nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing. These are common jars, friends. These are common jars used for everyday purposes. And Jesus is like, I want those. I want to use those things. I I want to, everybody's walked around these jars. Nobody's noticed them. That's the one I want to reveal my glory in. In this insignificant town of Cana of Galilee with these insignificant people that we don't know who's getting married, I want to do something extraordinary in the ordinary. Six stone jars. And these kind that people would just use for everyday purposes, they're heavy too. They're they're 20 to 30 gallons. Bring the big jars. And he tells them to bring them over and fill them up with water. Ordinary, everyday, run-of-the-mill water. They needed wine. He points to the water. I think we want Jesus to show up in in glory and part the skies in big moments. (laughs) Show up and reveal your great glory. And then he enters the scene as a baby. That's what Jesus does. God might be looking to do something spectacular, but maybe something spectacular in your life is going to start with something small. And could it be that we miss the invite of Christ? Because maybe we miss that he's hiding in the common. He's hiding in the common every day. See, God's going to show up in your car if you invite him. We get that better than ever now. We didn't have the building to come to. We didn't need the building to come to to do church. We get that more than ever. And hear my heart, I I want everybody to come back to church. I want us back here. I think God does something very special, something very unique when we gather here together as a group of people. This is a beautiful thing. But you know what? If you want church, you can have church on the way to church in your Honda Civic if you invite him. That's how it works. That's how God works. The presence of God is going to show up in that vehicle. It's where he's welcome. And then that maybe we'll each begin to see when we invite him, our water moments turn into wine. Verse 8 through 10. Then he told them, now draw out some, excuse me, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Now put yourself in the servant's place for just a minute. You want to take a cup of water from essentially this wash bucket to the master of the banquet to drink. Are you crazy, Jesus? What are you talking about? There's nothing special about the water. 
They got it from the regular place they would normally get it from, but they got involved. They put some time in, they got involved, and they did what Jesus said. And somewhere along the way, then Jesus transforms. And he transforms the water into wine. And he transforms them in a moment. Because the master of the banquet, who's clueless to the miracle, he's thoroughly impressed that the family has reserved the best wine for the last leg of the party. This is the time where you're breaking out like the PBR or the Keystone Light or something. Like that's when you break that stuff out. And no, what's happening here is the good stuff's coming out. The turning point. Verse 11. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. It's so cool. This is a private miracle in many ways. It's not private to us, obviously, but no one knew. But Mary and the disciples, they knew. Master of the banquet didn't know. You saved the best until now. He didn't realize where it had come from. He didn't know the transformation that had taken place. But the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. They knew because they were informed. And they were informed by the source of joy. And Mary knew. She knew. She knew the jars, if they were filled with water, she knew what they could become. She knew. And they all knew because they had invited Jesus into their everyday. That's the last thought this morning. Invite Jesus into your everyday. I wonder, could it be, could it be that the God that would transform water into wine is looking to transform your life? Could it be for the miracle that you are waiting to happen is maybe nearby, more nearby than you think it is. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? What if the rest of this year is going to be the best of the rest of this year? It's going to be the best of the year, period. What if God wants to turn every defeat, every loss that we have experienced in this unique time into a victory in our lives? See, Jesus' message, it doesn't focus just on the outside because transformation happens on the inside. And when we receive that invitation of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence inside of us. That Henry Cloud stuff that I was reading. And then that's where the true work begins within us. Clean the inside. And you know what? The outside, it's going to take care of itself. Invite Jesus into your everyday. The extraordinary is waiting to happen in the ordinary. So here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to invite. And I would actually say that starts with, of course, inviting Jesus into the everyday of our lives. The things that we're trying to push through, the things we're trying to do in of our own power. Sometimes it's just stopping and saying, yeah, your foot hurts, Brandon. <laughs> Have you asked God to heal it? Maybe he wants to heal it. It's inviting him into the every day of our lives. But I think it goes beyond that. I think this is a time this summer where we can get people over the house for a barbecue. Where we can invite our neighbors who maybe are far from Jesus to our home. We celebrate them. We celebrate what's going on in their lives. 
Maybe we empathize with the pain that's happening. Think the invite can be here for church? Of course it can, right? Inviting someone to church this summer. Hey, you're missing out on something. You had loss that your light bulb is just going on for the first time. I know what can fill the loss. I know the only thing that's gonna fill the loss. So you invite them to church. Maybe it's an invite to a small group or an invite anywhere else. I would say on Wednesday nights, what we're getting ready to offer with The Chosen, just another outlet to get to hear more about the miracles of Jesus through the eyes of the disciples in this great production that shows their perspective, that gives us some insight into their lives and how they solve Jesus. We're gonna meet here on Wednesday nights and just connect and, and grow and receive God's word in that special sort of dialogue way and by watching a film. It's a beautiful thing. I invite you to maybe choose the chosen. Maybe that's what you're gonna invite people to. This road trip card that you see could easily be something that gets you just a handoff for somebody, okay? So there's, there's, these are all in chairs. Feel free to take these with you. I, would, I know Pastor John encouraged us in the video, wherever you go on a trip, even in, you know, take a picture, put up the card, road trip. We wanna continue journeying with everybody as we go beyond, but let's invite Jesus. Let's invite Jesus to those summer moments. We're not taking a vacation from him. We take him with us. Last thought for this morning. I was thinking about the jars. There were six jars. And the number six, it's significant in Jewish history. It's significant because the number of six is the number of imperfection. It's always symbolic of man's falling short. It actually represents incompletion. So why would Jesus, why would Jesus choose to use six jars to reveal his glory for the first time on the stage. You're the seventh jar. I'm the seventh jar. It was God's plan all, all the time to invite us into the miraculous to invite us into the bigger part of the story, to invite us into an everyday life. And this life is tough, but into an everyday life that we can see Jesus moving and changing and transforming. You're the seventh jar. And here's the deal, Mary knew and the disciples knew, and Mary, Mary's looking, one, two, three, four, five, six, right? She must have been counting, but she knew Jesus. She knew Jesus Christ, and she knew that miracle worker that can, that can have a, a virgin pregnant. <laughs> she knew that that Jesus was going to show up in, in a moment that was, that was needed for him and only him to show up. Do you know, do you know in your deepest recesses that Jesus wants to show up for you? You are the seventh jar that he wants to fill up. You are the seventh jar that he wants to reveal his glory in. You are the seventh jar that he wants to move mountains in the everyday. And if you accept that, if you trust that, 
Jesus is gonna do the miraculous in your life, in the nearby, in the things that you don't even see coming. And if you or anybody here this morning, if you haven't put your faith and trust in that Jesus, I'm gonna invite you to do that. I'm inviting you to do that, but Jesus, more importantly, is inviting you to the greatest relationship that you will ever have. And it's not about rules, and it's not about keeping rules, it's not about old religion, it's about new relationship. And I'd ask that you just pray with me as I pray for our friends that maybe are not making that decision, have not made that decision for the first time. And God, we're asking that you would move in this place. Holy Spirit, as people are watching online and moving throughout this building, Father God, we trust that you're moving. And Father, I just ask for friends of mine that have not chosen to follow you. I ask that right now, Lord, they would invite you into their lives. And you could do that, friends, if, if this all makes sense to you. For the first time, you just feel, you feel <laughs> like there's a miracle happening maybe right for you right now in this moment. I would just ask that you would just simply pray this, Lord, I'm a broken person. I'm a broken person that needs you, Jesus. I recognize, Jesus, that you're the only one that fix broken things. You're the only one that can come and fill me up and reveal your glory in and through my life. So, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life now, and I give you my life forever, Lord. Please forgive me for running from you. Please forgive me for my brokenness. And, God, I invite you in to change me as only you can. Father God, we trust that those that have prayed that prayer for the first time, God, your word promises us that there's a party raging in heaven right now. And Lord, we're gonna continue that party this morning. And God, we recognize, we recognize that for so many of us that have made that decision to invite you into our everyday, Lord, that we, we just get consumed with inviting so many other things into our life like fear and doubt and discouragement. And God, we don't want that anymore. We're asking for freedom from that, Lord. So would you come in and would you change our perspective? Would you transform us, God? Renew our minds that we might be able to see the miraculous in the nearby and in the ordinary and not in the extraordinary that we expect, God, but where you move in the everyday because you came as a baby and you came to decide to keep the party going at a wedding to reveal your glory. And so reveal that to us, God. Convict our hearts and move us towards change. Help us to be involved in the invitation, God. Give us courage and give us strength. And God, we're gonna give you all the glory. We're gonna point to the miracle, the miracle maker, the one that still does miracles today, 2021, ready to do a miracle this morning, in this place, in this week, in that heart, in that mind. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise and we pray these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.